those of you who don't know me, my name's Liz Chavez. Um, sometimes when people hear my name, they assume I can speak Spanish. I don't know why. I'm really white with freckles, so not Hispanic, but I am married to a wonderful Hispanic, Will Chavez. <laughs> and I just want to start off by saying thank you to Pastor Clay um, just for the opportunity. I'm always so honored whenever he's like, Liz, why don't you speak? And I'm like, ah, you sure? Okay. All right. I trust you. But I'm th very thankful for the opportunity um, just to be up here and honored that he would entrust this stage to me. And so I, I do want to thank him and honor him just for the leader he's been, the pastor he is for all of us. He's incredible. Yes. Let's give Pastor Clay a round of applause. And so I'm actually just going to dive right in tonight. I'm not going to start with any fun stories, anything else. I just want to get right into the scripture. Are y'all good with that? All right, so we are going straight to Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. So this is the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Heavy story. Okay, so Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. And it says, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. The title of the message tonight is Carry Your Weight Well. Carry Your Weight Well. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for this night, God, and just for this word that you've given to me. God, and I just pray that we would all have open ears to receive the word that you want to speak to, to each of us, God. I, I love how you can take one message and split it in a million different ways and speak something to each person. And I just pray that you would do just that tonight, God. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that I would increase, decrease so you can increase tonight. And Lord, that you would just be with each one of us speaking what we need to hear and encouraging us so that we can live the life that you've called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So carry your weight well. Now, I came up with this title because, you know, have you ever, like, seen someone and they're, you know, maybe they put on a little bit of weight and, you know, they're, they maybe mention it to somebody else and they're like, oh, man, I put on a little weight. And then they say, oh, wow, you carry your weight well, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that I gained a little bit of weight when I got married, but I gained a little bit of weight when I got married. And so just like, you know, the happy weight <laughs> that you gain whenever you get married or so they say, you know. Um, <laughs> so, you 
it's the happy weight. And so you, you know, you put on a little weight, but you know, people say, uh, you know, when I would talk about it, oh, you carry your weight well, you carry your weight well. And I'm like, you know, there's, there's a point where you can carry your weight well. And then there's kind of a point where you ain't hiding it no more. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you got, you got to, I got to start getting on this and I got to start working out because I'm like buying different clothes. That's a bad sign. And so <laughs> we got fitness groups for that. So there's a group for that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but anyway, but we all have a weight to carry in this life. And you know, there is a way to carry your weight well. And this is not a message about body image. Don't worry, we ain't judging. Okay, it's all good. Um, but but that we all have a weight to carry. And I'm not talking about a physical body weight. I'm talking about a weight in this life. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus told his disciples, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. We have a cross that we have to carry. Each one of us has a cross. And you may not like the cross that you were dealt. <laughs> we all have a different cross that we have to carry. Not, not all of us got the same cross, but I can assure you every single person in this room has a cross that they have to carry. Every single person has a weight that they have to carry. We all have weights. And I want to ask you tonight, maybe do you ever feel like you're all alone? Do you feel like... What God has asked you to carry, he doesn't realize how heavy it is. You sometimes think, God, do you really know what you're asking me to carry? Do you think if, if I had known what this was going to require, I don't think I would have done it. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? You know, it says that Jesus was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He was troubled. Jesus was like the perfect man. So obviously to be troubled doesn't mean that you have inadequate faith. It means that you're walking through something that is bringing you to obedience. And so I wanna encourage you tonight, we're gonna look at this story and the weight that Jesus carried and look at how do we carry our weight well in this life? How do we carry it well? What can we do? What can we learn from this story to carry the weight that God's given us well? And so we see that in the very beginning of the story, he says, um, he, he, let me read it here because, you know, I'll probably mess it up. So it says that Jesus went with his disciples to Gethsemane and told them to sit here while he went there to pray. So first off, he separated himself. So he separated himself from the group, from the crowd. Come on, sometimes you got to separate yourself from the crowd. It's easy to sit in the crowd and sit in the little, you know, where there's lots of people in the big group. It's a lot harder to separate yourself out and go to a, a small group. It's a lot harder to separate yourself out and go, join a serving team. And so first he separated himself out from the crowd and from the group. And it goes on to say that he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, John and James, along with him. So he intentionally brought three friends with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he confided in them and told them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And so the first thing we need to do is be intentional with friends. Be intentional with friends. He pulled three friends aside. You know, I want to encourage you. We need to be intentional with who our friends are. We need to be intentional with how many friends we have that, are, that we confide in. We need to be intentional with what we say. And we need to be intentional to ask for help when we need it. We need to be intentional with friends. Jesus was very intentional. He pulled aside three people. That's it. He was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And only three people in the entire world even knew about it. That's crazy. 
I want to ask you tonight, how many people know about your sorrow? How many people know about the job that you hate? How many people know what he did to you or what she did to you? How many people know about the hurt that you encountered and endured? How many people know about the pain in your life? Is it a lot? <laughs> Are you talking about it all over the place? Are you telling everybody all about it? Are you, Are you talking through the town? You know, we see that he separated himself from the crowd. He separated from himself from the crowd and only told three people. We have to be intentional with how many people we're confiding in. And I want to ask you, have you been intentional with friends or incessant with your talking? Have you been intentional with your friends or incessant with your talking? We need to be intentional with who those friends are. You know, we need to find people that we can confide in, people we can trust, the kind of friends who will keep watch with us. And, and not only that, but the way he confided in them was so important. He simply told them how he felt and he asked for them to help him. This is how I'm feeling. Here's what I'm asking you to do. It wasn't a bunch of details, A through Z, let me tell you, this, 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 that, and the other. He said, no, here's how I'm feeling, and here's what I'm asking you to do for me. You know, are you just trying to get your bitter friends on board with how you're feeling, with your hurt? Are you, you know, what's the, what's the benefit of your conversation? What benefit is coming from your conversation? Um, you know, I think the number one way to tell when someone is carrying something that, that they don't want to carry is complaining. We complain. We complain. There is a difference between confiding and complaining. <laughs> there is a difference. And so what, what is the language that you're putting around your problem? That's what I want to ask you tonight. What's the language you're putting around your problem? How are you talking about it? What's the way you're communicating it? Are you communicating it just to get everybody else on board with how you're feeling? Are you nursing and feeding your hurt? Are you bringing it to the dinner table with you, giving it some food, giving it some air time, giving it some time in the conversation, bringing it up constantly, trying to get people to feel that same bitterness that you feel, getting people to feel that same hurt that you feel, getting them on board with, with what's going on on the inside of you? We have to be careful with what we say around our problem. You know, even Paul had a thorn in his side. And he shared it with everybody. I mean, it's in the Bible. We all know about it. <laughs> like, he, he told everybody. But how did he communicate it? He didn't give details. He didn't tell exactly what it was. I think he was very intentional. And you know why he shared it? As an encouragement. Because he said, I prayed three times that the thorn in my side would be removed, but God did not remove it. But you, remove it, but you know what he showed me. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so he encouraged them through it. And I'm sure that Paul had his close friends who knew what that thorn was. He probably had his three who he shared exactly what that thorn was and what he was walking through and asked for prayer for it. But he didn't broadcast it and he didn't share it with everyone. He used it as an encouragement. And so I want to encourage you, do the same. Be careful about the language you're putting around your problem. How are you communicating it? What are you saying about it? It's one thing to confide. It's another thing to complain. You know, the Bible says to to do all things without complaining or grumbling, all things. And so we can communicate how we're feeling. We can confide in someone. Jesus was honest with how he felt with his friends. He was honest about what he was feeling, but he didn't complain about it. He didn't complain about it with his friends. And so I want to encourage you how you communicate. It really can determine whether that hurt will grow and increase or whether it will decrease and diminish. 
the way you talk about it, the people you invite into the conversation, that's going to determine whether that hurt is going to stay there and grow and increase or it's going to decrease and diminish and allow God to heal that area. And so I want to encourage you, be careful with how you communicate. And you know, I don't want to stereotype, but sometimes, you know, us women, we can tend to be the talkers. You know, we can tend to be the ones who talk a little too much. Um, no comment. And, you know, whereas the men sometimes don't say anything. And, you know, that's a stereotype, I know, because I actually kind of fall more along the lines of not saying anything. But sometimes there's, there's those of us who, we're strong, we got this, you know. I'm not going to let that get to me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And it's true, it's true. But you're keeping it on the inside and you're trying to handle it yourself. You're trying to do it on your own without any help, without anybody else. You're not confiding in anybody. And, and you think, oh, I'm strong. I'm strong. I got this. I can do this. I can handle this. But you know what true strength is? Vulnerability. And being willing to be honest about what you're really walking through. It, if no one knows, who's praying for you? I mean, come on, you just holding it to yourself? You ain't got nobody praying for you? You don't have anybody on your side linking arms with you, helping you, encouraging you to fight the good fight? You gotta have some people next to you. And so I wanna encourage you, don't hold it in. You know, be strong enough to ask for help when you need it. Be strong enough to communicate how you're feeling on the inside. Be strong enough to share and say, hey, I'm walking through this. This is how I'm feeling right now. Can you pray for me? That's all it takes. You don't have to go into the details, like I said. Keep it simple, but bring those people in. Invite them in. Be intentional with your friends. Be intentional. Never underestimate the power in simply talking about it. Processing it out loud with a trusted friend. You know, what better example do we have than Jesus himself? And he showed us in the Garden of Gethsemane that he would take those few trustworthy friends and confide in them, tell them what he was going through and ask them. And I would encourage you, if you don't have those friends, get in a small group, join a serving team. Anytime you can make the group a little bit smaller, you're going to get those, you're going to be able to meet people and get those friendships that you really need in your life. If the only friends you have are the people who are, you know, no offense, but still going out every Friday, Saturday night and doing their own thing and living life for them. That was me for a long time. You know, I believed in God. I thought I knew God was real, but I was like, but this is my life. So I'm gonna live it the way I wanna live it. And you know, and back pocket when I need God, oh, I need you God. Got a part, you know, got a ticket. <laughs> Can you help me with this? Can you help me get out of this one? Or whatever it was, you know, we pray that, to get out of situations, but we're not really living the God first life. You know, God called us to seek him first and his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And so find those people, find those people who are living the God first life, who are putting God first, who are passionate about him. There's something that changes when you can get those friends who are going to lock arms with you and encourage you to be, do and be all that God has called you to do and be. And so number one, be intentional with friends. Number two, be honest with God. <laughs> Be honest with God. You know, it goes on to say, going on a little further, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Be honest with God. You know, unfortunately, sometimes even the best of friends will fail you. I mean, even the best of friends will sometimes let you down. You know, you can't find what you need from your friends. You have to get it from your father. Friends are a huge encouragement. They're a huge blessing. They're a huge help. But you can't find what you need from your friends. You've got to get it from the Father. 
And that's what Jesus knew. He confided in his friends. He told them what he was going through, asked for their, their help. And then he went on a little further, fell with his face to the ground and prayed to God. And he was honest. He was honest with God. Are you able to truly get honest with God? You know, and I want to encourage you, you may have lost trust with some people, but regardless of whatever you've been through, don't lose trust with God. Don't ever lose trust with God. And don't lump the God of the universe in with people he created. We have failed since the, since the beginning. Like we will always fail. Like, like none of us are perfect. We're always going to let each other down at some point or another. None of us is going to be perfect. We are all going to mess up. We are all going to fall short. Peter, you know, Peter, James, and John all fell asleep multiple times. Couldn't even watch with God for one hour. You know, come on. You're like your friends, you need them for one hour. And it's like, come on, you can't even give me one hour. You can't even give me one hour. They failed him. But God's never going to fail you. God is not even capable of lying. He never breaks his promises or his word. He will never fail you. He will never fail. And so put your trust in God. You can trust God with the messiness. You can trust God with the brokenness. You can trust God with whatever you need to say to him. You can trust him. You know, even when people fall asleep on your watch, God will never fall asleep on your watch. God will never fall asleep on your watch. He is always there. He's always there. And so inevitably, there are going to be times where you feel broken, where you feel empty, where you feel troubled, where you feel alone. Where do you turn? Where do you turn when you feel empty? Where do you turn when you feel alone? You know, I'll I'll admit, sometimes my instinct is to call somebody. My instinct is to be like, my first instinct sometimes is to be like, well, let me call this person. Let me see what they think. You know, it's like there was a situation not too long ago and something happened. And, you know, it was like one of those situations where it wasn't necessarily like bad, but like I wasn't sure how I felt about it. Like I kind of had an icky feeling about it. And I was like, I mean, I... I don't really feel like bad, but I don't know how I feel. And like, I really wanted to call a friend. And I got in the car and I was like, I need to call somebody and talk this through. And I need to talk about this. And I went to my phone and it was dead. (laughs) And I didn't have a car charger. And I was like, okay, God, you're funny. You got jokes. (laughs) And so I couldn't call a friend and I had like a 25 minute drive. So I was like, okay, well, this is my only choice. God, I don't know how I feel about this, you know? And I was really honest with God and really talked about like, do you really get honest with God? Do you really tell him how you're really feeling on the inside? Like, God, I am hurt right now. Like, this sucks. This, you know, I don't like having to go through this. I wish this wasn't my job. I wish I wasn't still single. I wish I wasn't married to this person. I wish I didn't have to go through this. I wish I wasn't in this school. I wish I'd never met that person. You know, are you honest with God or are you only honest with your friends? Who are you able to be honest with? We've got to be able to be honest with God. He is the God of the universe. He created you. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows it all. He knows exactly what you're going through. What do you think you're hiding from him? You're not hiding anything. He already knows. So tell him. Tell him what you're going through. Tell him. You know, he is such a comforter in time of need. But have you given him the chance? Have you given him the chance to comfort you? Have you given him the chance to be that friend that sticks closer than a brother? Have you given him the chance? Be honest with God. Be honest with God. He loves you infinitely more than you can ever imagine. He loves you so much. 
It says he dances over you. Like he's so in love with you, he dances over you, which the guys are like, well, that's weird. But <laughs> just kidding. That's stereotypical. <laughs> but he dances over you. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about you. He is so in love with you. He is so moved with compassion by you, for you. You know, I'll never forget there was one time where I was sick and I was, you know, I'd moved out of my parents' house, um, you know, as most good adults do, and um, living on my own and, you know, it's probably like newly moved out. Um, and so no offense if you're still living with your parents, it's okay. Only to a certain point, but it's okay right now if you're young. Um, <laughs> I got some reactions on the front row, so I had to give some grace. It's okay. If you're still in college, you got grace, but if you got a job, get out. It's okay. It's time. It's time. <laughs> So, <laughs> okay, so just kidding, halfway. I'm just looked at some people who are still living at home. It's all good. I'm not judging. Okay, so um, <laughs> I moved out and I was living on my own and I was so sick. And you know how when you've grown up your whole life and your mom comforts you when you're sick, like you just want your mom when you're sick. Can anybody relate? Like you just want your mom when you're sick, okay? My mom's over there. Hey, mama, love you. Okay, so. You just want your mom when you're sick. So I was feeling so, so sick. And I called my mom and, you know, my parents are like Christian. They, they got it down. They are like, you are healed in the name of Jesus kind of Christians. Like you, you claim it. It is yours. You are healed. Jesus never didn't heal anybody. So I was like, okay, I'm sick. Call my mom. Like, so sick. I don't feel good. And like, you know, telling her all about it, whatever it was. And um, I'll never forget what one of the things she said. She said, God loves you even, like she, she was saying how much she wishes I wasn't sick and all this stuff. But she said, God loves you even more than I love you. And I want you to be healed. And so he loves you even more than I love you. And it was just like a click. Like God loves me more than any human being on this planet loves me. And he wants the best for me. He wants the best. And so it's just like, man, he loves me so much more than I could ever imagine. His love is infinite and he loves us. And so if you are walking through a difficult season, don't think that he doesn't know about it. Don't think he's not aware. And you can be honest with him. You can be honest about how you're feeling. You can be honest about what you're walking through. Be honest with God. He is a safe place. I want to encourage you. God is a safe place for you to go to. He is a very present help in time of need. He is your strong tower. He is a fortress where no enemy can reach you. He is safe. You can go to God with whatever you're going through. He's the lover of your soul. You can trust him. So I want to encourage you, be intentional with your friends, be honest with God, and be obedient with each season. Be obedient with each season. You know, most of us know the story of the Israelites being rescued out of Egypt. We kind of sang about it and then Pastor Layton talked about it. And we know the story um, a little bit. Um, they were rescued obviously by Moses and they had been in captivity for 200 plus years. And finally Moses rescues them out and they get up to the Red Sea and the armies are coming from behind them and the Red Sea is in front of them and immediately they're distraught. And what are we gonna do and what's gonna happen and all this stuff. And you know, then Moses hears from the Lord and puts his staff out, parts the Red Sea. They go through the Red Sea. Then they're in the wilderness. They don't know when their next meal is going to come. They don't know where they're going to get water. And God answers every prayer after every prayer. Um, but yet still they struggled so much in that season. They struggled to be obedient over and over and over again. You know, 
it, it's easy to trust God in the, the, the mountaintop. It's easy to trust God when things are good, right? It's easy to trust God when you're being rescued out of Egypt. It's difficult to trust God when you're facing a Red Sea. It's difficult um, to trust God when you don't know when your next meal is going to come from, when you don't know where you're going to get water, where you're stuck in the middle of the wilderness and you don't know what's going to happen. So it's easy to trust God in a moment. It's difficult to trust God and be obedient in, um, in the waiting. You know, it's so easy to trust him in the moment. And, and when you're being delivered, when you're being rescued, when everything's good, it's so easy to trust him in that moment. It's so difficult to be obedient in the waiting. So difficult to be obedient in the waiting. And when you can't see the promised land, then what does your walk look like? It probably looks real good when you're walking out of Egypt. It looks real good, like we're saved, yeah, Jesus, woo! And then five minutes later, there's a sea. Didn't you know this, Moses? There's a sea over here. We can't get, what are we going to do? They're coming behind us. We got a sea in front of us. We're going to die. You know, and just like Rashad was talking about Elijah, the mountaintop experience, and then the next moment you're just like, oh, what am I going to do? I'm depressed. I would rather die. I'm going to be killed. I want to be killed. And then it's like, yeah, Jesus, mountaintop, woo. It's like, okay. How do we trust God in those waiting moments? We got to learn to be obedient in each season. <laughs> Not just when everything is going great and we're being rescued out of Egypt and we're like, yay, Jesus, I got exactly what I wanted, yeah. No, not just those moments. Also in the moments where what in the world is going on? How in the world is this going to happen? What, what is God going to do to get me through this? I don't even think he knows. I think he's forgotten about me. They're up there working on other problems. They don't know what's going on with me. You know, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're just busy up there having fun, having a good time, forgetting about me down here on earth. Forget about me, God. See what I'm going through? See what I'm walking through? Be obedient in each season. God knows. <laughs> He knows what you're walking through. Be obedient in each season. You know, oftentimes, unfortunately, instead of being obedient, we choose to escape. We choose to escape. Some of us escape through binge eating, binge Netflix watching, binge shopping, binge, I don't know what else, she hears me, binge ice cream eating, <laughs> that'll preach, um, binge workouting, is that a word? No, okay. Um, you know, what, what is your escape? Is your escape something earthly and temporary or is your escape God? What, what are you being obedient to? <laughs> what are you turning to, to get out of the problem you're facing? You know, oftentimes when we walk through a difficult circumstance, we want to save ourselves, don't we? And you know, it's interesting, one of the verses I read earlier, what does it say? The first thing Jesus tells us to do is to deny ourselves. Some of us are really good at saving ourselves and really bad at denying ourselves. We're really good at saving ourselves from the difficult circumstances, not so good at denying ourselves. You know, sometimes I think God has us go through things so we can learn to deny ourselves. So we can learn that it's not all about us. It is not all about Liz Chavez. It is not the Liz Chavez show. It is the God show. And he is the ruler of the universe and he is in control and he will be glorified. Do not get it wrong. He will be glorified in whatever it is. And so... We have to turn to God. We have to learn to deny ourselves. We have to deny ourselves. You know, 
we are, like I said, so good at saving ourselves. You know, and that's, I think, why the divorce rate is so high. People save themselves from marriage, from marriage, not for marriage. They save themselves from marriage, or that's what they think. They hit a difficult season. They hit a difficult point. You know, marriage is not always going to be easy. You're going to hit difficulties. You're going to have to walk through some stuff. There's going to be a waiting period, just like with anything. With anything, you're going to hit a difficult season. And so what is your instinct? To save yourself and to get out? You have to train yourself to deny yourself, not just save yourself. Train yourself to deny yourself and not just save yourself. You know, I genuinely believe that God is constantly taking, to a taking us to a place where we have to rely on him. We have to. Because it's so easy to rely on ourselves. So easy. I mean, I'm a type A planner, get it all done. You know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You know, plan it all out. You know, just like da, 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 da. And so many times when you're a planner, I mean, if you're a planner, you know this. You hate when the, when the plans change. Am I right? <laughs> like, I hate when the plans change. My husband is a go with the flow. It's all good. <laughs> it's good to be married to opposites. <laughs> It'd be really bad if both of us were like stick to the plan people because we, go, we drive each other crazy. Um, but, but he can go with the flow. But so he might not think it's important to communicate when things change because it doesn't matter to him. But it matters to me. Hello, somebody. <laughs> so I've had to tell him, listen, baby. <laughs> If the plans change, you gotta tell me. I need like, how, we just need mental preparation. Like I just gotta be mentally prepared for what I'm going to. Like if it's gonna look like this, that like, like if we're gonna go to the beach, that's one thing. But if we're going to a nice restaurant, that's another thing. You gotta tell me, I gotta, I gotta plan and prepare and mentally get ready for what is gonna happen. So tell me. And so I like to know the plans. And now I don't even know what I was talking about. It's probably not even scriptural anymore. Anymore, but I genuinely, <laughs> I genuinely <laughs> believe that especially for personalities like me, God has to change some plans. Am I right? God's got to change some plans. Oh, you think you have that's just plan? Oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's real cute. You know, when I first got on staff, I was sisterhood coordinator. And I mean, I thought sisterhood was going to be the rest of my life, sisterhood forever. And you know, the plans changed. <laughs> and now I'm in sub 30 and I love it. <laughs> but see, I didn't know that when I was in sisterhood. Like I was like, what's better than sisterhood? You know, there ain't nothing better than sisterhood. But just kidding. I learned. I learned. Okay. Sub 30 is where it's at. And so God showed me, but you know what? It, was a, it wasn't quite so simple for me. When you're on a trajectory and you think this is what it's going to look like in sisterhood my whole life, and then all of a sudden God's like, just kidding. I need you in sub 30. Okay, God. <laughs> really? I'm, but, I, but I know this, but I'm comfortable here, but I'm familiar with this, but I know the people here, but I'm good at this. Mm-mm. God's like, nah, <laughs> I'm going to switch that up because I, I have something over here for you. And God knew, 
God knew what he was doing. And he always knows. He always sees. He always knows where, he, knows where he's leading you and why. We, sometimes we won't even have all the answers on this side of eternity, on this side of heaven. We may not even have all the answers, but he has all the answers, y'all. He's got them all. He's got the answer book. Why aren't y'all talking to him more? Come on. You know, and I'm saying that to myself. I'm not just saying that to y'all. But why aren't we getting all the answers from him? He's got them. He said, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask and I will give it to them. Let's ask him for the wisdom. And I'm going to call the band back up at this time. But I want to encourage you. A difficult season doesn't mean you're in the wrong place or you're going the wrong direction. It doesn't necessarily mean that. Oftentimes it means God is working his obedience out on the inside of you. He's working something out on the inside of you. He's teaching you to rely on him. He's teaching you to deny yourself. He's also maybe setting up circumstances that you're completely unaware of. You know, Joseph in the book of Genesis, most of us know this story, but basically he ended up in prison for no fault of his own. He ended up in jail. He's in prison, absolutely zero fault. In fact, he did the right thing in God's eyes and he ended up in prison. So this is not in any way, shape, or form because of Joseph that he ended up in prison. It was completely outside of his control. And, you know, sometimes we find ourselves in situations that are caused by us. And sometimes we find ourselves in situations that aren't caused by us. God, God can deliver, them, deliver us from them all. But the reason why I know that we go through difficult circumstances, not always because of our own, our own reasons, our own fault, is because Joseph did. So if you let Joseph go to prison, and it wasn't Joseph's fault, obviously God's going to allow us to go through some prison seasons. He's going to allow us to go through some prison seasons in our life, some difficult seasons where maybe you feel trapped, where maybe you feel stuck, or maybe you feel like you're all alone. And even after he had been in prison for a little bit, he thought he saw his out, you know. We always think we see our out, you know. Here's my chance. I'm going to go for it. And the baker and the cupbearer had dreams and he interpreted the dreams. And the cupbearer was gonna be reinstated to the Pharaoh. And he says, remember me when you get out. Remember me when you get back to the Pharaoh. Remember me when you get back there. But he didn't remember him, at least not for two years. Two years, he sat in prison, even after the cupbearer had been reinstated, gotten his job back. And he sat there in prison and it wasn't until two years later that Pharaoh had a dream and finally he was able to get out. But God let him sit there. God allowed that to happen. And I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what you're going through and I don't know what you're going to go through because I can assure you, God said in his word, in this life you will have trials and tribulations and distress and frustrations. But in this life, take heart, take heart for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of its power to harm you. Take heart. You know, you might be in prison, but that prison doesn't mean that God's forgotten about you. That prison doesn't mean that he's forgotten. God was working everything together for Joseph. He had a plan the whole time. A difficult situation doesn't mean that he's forgotten or that he doesn't care. In fact, it's usually the very opposite. It's the very opposite. It's because he cares so much about us that he wants us to get to the other side. He wants us to be better in the process. He wants us to grow through what we're going through. He wants us to grow through it. He is doing far more on your behalf than you may ever realize. 
You know, Jesus was able to endure what he endured because he had a revelation. And I think tonight, sub 30, we need a revelation. We need a revelation. Come on, we need to know. We need to know on the inside of us and not question. Have that revelation. His name is higher. His word is greater. His love is deeper. His, his grace is unending. His, his love is deeper. He has everything that we need. And I want to encourage you. Let him speak to you tonight. Let him speak to you to where you are. Get that revelation. Get that revelation tonight that his name is higher, that his word is greater, that his power is stronger, that his love is deeper, that his peace is surpassing, that his faithfulness is everlasting, that his grace is unending, that his goodness is limitless and his freedom is matchless. And because of that, I will worship, I will praise, I will give thanks, I will serve, I will love, I will give, I will be in the house of the Lord and I will rejoice, I will obey and I will say, your will be done, your will be done. You know, and I want you all to stay standing because Jesus, Jesus felt the weight. He was, an, he was intentional with friends. He was honest with God. And when it was time, he was not afraid. He was not afraid. What did he say here? He said, look, the hour has come. And the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. But he said, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Rise, let us go. Rise and let us go. If Jesus can be obedient to the cross, we can be obedient to the cross he's given us. Rise and let us go. If he carried the weight of sin, we can carry the weight he's given us. Rise and let us go. Rise and let us go, sub 30. God, we thank you that you are here tonight. We thank you that you have spoken your word over us. We thank you that you are the lover of our soul, that we can be honest with you, that we can trust you with the broken areas of our life, that we can give you everything that we have and know that you will never fail us. You will never let us down. You are the great I am. God, we praise and honor you tonight. Listen, Sub 30. Maybe you don't know this Jesus. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him like that. Maybe you've never been honest with God. Maybe you've not known God to be a safe place. If that's you tonight with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to signify by raising a hand that you're ready to know him. You're ready to be honest with God. You're ready to give your life to him. You're ready to entrust everything that you have to this God who infinitely loves you. If that's you, I just want you on the count of three to raise your hand. One, two, three, raise them up. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just commit again to follow you with everything that we have, God. We're gonna be intentional with friends. We're gonna be honest with you, God. We're gonna trust you. We're gonna go to you for the answers, God. 
and we're gonna be obedient with each season. God, I just pray for each and every person who raised their hand right now and if everyone will just repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice. Thank you for carrying my weight. Thank you for carrying the cross and for doing it willfully. I give you all of me right now. I lay down my own plans and I pick up your plans. I commit myself to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, Sub 30.